Welcome to the Practical Rambling Fathers Podcast. I'm Father Tay. I'm Father Brian. Thank you so much for joining us today. And today's special podcast is part of our Lenten series that we're beginning this year. And so the, the, uh, the topic for today is the first temptation that Jesus encounters with Satan in the desert. And so we'll begin. <clears throat> if, you have, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapters 4. Verses 1 through 4. The Temptation of Jesus. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. <clears throat> and I know this is, sounds kind of funny because if Jesus is the Son of God, this strikes everyone's um, imaginations and questioning, why does Jesus need to be tempted in the desert? This is just kind of recap from last week's talk about how you know, Christ is allowing his humanity to be tested, right? It's a lot of commentators saying Jesus can't be tempted. He is the Son of God. He knows right from wrong. But what's happening here is the Lord God is allowing Jesus to be tested in his resolve to do the will of the Father and to be humble, right? To be humble and to submit himself to the Father. And, <clears throat> and Jesus puts himself through this grueling process of praying and surrendering to God the Father for 40 days without food. And if you notice, the devil is very cunning. He doesn't attack Jesus norm, uh, like other, other human beings. Because well, he for, does. I mean, all temptations are this way. Correct. <clears throat> so, like, for example, yeah, if we were in the desert for 40 days... He will attack us more often than not about the food, right? Because he knows that we are weak. And so he starts attacking Jesus by saying, if you're the son of God. So he's attacking Jesus at his core identity and linking it with food, saying you're weak in both, right? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the temptation that we all have. The devil gets us to question our identity in God. I mean, that's the doubting of God's goodness is all the way back to Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, well, that, that's a good point, Father Brian. Thanks for bringing it up because then it, it helps lead us to, right? We want this identity in God. We want to know that God loves us, right? So we often call it this hungering for God. And so there's two types of hungering. We can either physically hunger for God himself or we, can <clears throat> or we are spiritually hungry for God. And during COVID, Many of you who are listening to this podcast may can relate to this, where a lot of dynasties shut down when it first hit the U.S. So churches were closed. There's a limited number of people that can go to Mass. And so right there, many of you have experienced that physical hunger, like, oh, I used to take the presence of God for granted, right? I could go to church, I, I could pray, but now I can't. And now everything that I can have at, at my home is no longer appealing than what God can offer for me. But today's talk more is going at the spiritual hunger. Like Mother Teresa once said in one of her, in one of her interviews, <clears throat> what were her impressions of being here in the, in the United States of America as compared to her other works in the third world country? She, she said, each country 
is impoverished in different ways. She, she said in the third world country, they are materially impoverished, but they're spiritually rich. Because people who, who have been materially impoverished learn that they cannot depend on these material goods. They have to depend on God, a greater power than themselves. And when asked about, about the United States or Europe, she says, these first world countries are spiritually impoverished. They have everything, but yet they're not happy. Right? They have everything that they can want, but what they really want is God. And so today we're going to talk about that spiritual aspect of hungering for God. <clears throat> we're living in a very pop psycho uh, psychology world. And so when I start describing these things, many people will argue saying, well, Father, that's part of you know, me being burnt out. I just need more me time. Or I feel stressed because of the things at work. So it's not really me longing for God. Well, that's true to a point. But as you look at, at the spiritual symptoms of not having a relationship with God or a life of prayer, this is what one can experience. Restlessness. No matter what we do in our lives, we're just not happy. We're throwing ourselves from one activity to the next. We're reading one book to the next, finding the magic cure, finding the magic bullet to really satisfy ourselves. And in the midst of doing that, we get more and more frustrated and we feel that we're unsatisfied. Even though we think that these things should make us happy. They, they do, but up to a certain point. And all of a sudden our life is just one thing after the other and our hearts are just filled with angst. And the biggest telltale sign is that sadness and that frustrations are very apparent in our lives. Anything you want to add, Father Brian? Yeah. No, it's the it's just that dynamic of how close am I to God to know my identity in God and then to really look at Jesus' reply, one does not live on bread alone. So the evil one makes us think about the situation of our hunger and Jesus makes us aware and God makes us aware of wisdom and understanding beyond just the present moment of hunger. Well, that's good. I like what you said the, uh, <clears throat> uh, the last part. Jesus makes us look at the present moment, right? No, no, no. The evil one makes us look at the present moment. Oh, sorry, moment. sorry. The evil one makes us look at the present moment versus Jesus. is always carrying us forward, right? And one of the things that the devil does right away is he views spiritual hungering for God as a bad thing. And so that's part, even with our human nature, suffering is bad, right? So any hungering that we have, spiritual or physical, is bad. And so it's very hard for us then to see if we truly need God, if suffering has no part in it, if it's something that we just avoid, right? We can't. Temptations will come and go throughout our whole lives, no so matter how much perfect we want our lives to be. There's always that moment of doubts. There's always the moment of weakness. But through God's grace, we're able to conquer it. So how does that fit into our lives? Like, why does the Lord God allows us to have these moments, you know, of temptations or times of trial and testing? Cardinal Seurat speaks about this, about the spiritual life. And he says, the spiritual life goes through alternating phases in which God successfully shows and hides himself makes himself heard and is quiet. Prayer teaches us the subtleties <clears throat> of divine speech. Is God being silent or are we not hearing him because our interior ear and our intellect are not accustomed to his language? 
The fruit of the silence is learning to discern his voice, even though it always keeps its mystery. One of the things I like about that quote, it says, the spiritual life goes through alternating phases in which God successfully shows and hides himself, makes himself heard and is quiet. That's part of prayer. There are times where God will give you beautiful images, beautiful emotions to show that he is there. And there are other times he is there, but he's quiet, right? He doesn't allow these images to come to you. doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. And so prayer teaches us the subtleties of divine speech. Is God teaching us to be quiet? <clears throat> or is God teaching us to speak from our hearts? And how does this have to do anything with temptations? When we pray, we sharpen our spiritual senses. We begin to hear the way that God speaks to us. We know the manner in which he speaks to us. And we also are aware of the things he's given to us. So when things, so when the evil one comes and tries to tempt us away from prayer, we can pick up these subtleties that he will try to put. Like, for example, from the gospel earlier, the devil <clears throat> attacked Jesus in a temptation by just adding two words, right? He makes, he tries to make Jesus doubt if, right? He has done nothing dramatic. All he says is, if you are the son of God, right? Then command this stone to become bread. Which is what the Satan did in the garden with Adam and Eve. If God is a loving God, then why did he give you this? You know, why can't you do this? They doubted their loveliness. They were walking with God in paradise and yet got them to tempt. So as one priest put it, if Satan can, <laughs> if he can uh, tempt uh, our first parents, Adam and Eve, with who only knew paradise with God into going against God's goodness. What can he do to us who are so broken? And um, yeah, we just all have, have our own wounds. And so what can the evil one do? And Jesus says, what is it to persevere in that and to claim my identity in that by saying, I don't live by bread alone. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't need the bread right now. Mm -hmm. I just need God. Yeah. And the more that we have a relationship with God, that is why God, when he created us, he was a genius in that matter, right? He always gives us the opportunity for, for us to love him. He doesn't force it upon us. But he's left a mark on our soul. Because like, when we are baptized, there's that indelible mark. What is the Baltimore Catechism states, right? Why do we always hunger for God, even though we don't say it, right? Our society says, why aren't you happy? which is another translation of <laughs> why can't I find God in my inner peace? And so the Baltimore Catechism defines it as this, right? We are made to know God, to love Him, to serve Him, and to be with Him for all of eternity. That mark with, within, <clears throat> within us is helping us as a beacon to always grow closer to God. The reason why He puts emotion in us is that we will always find the true happiness which resides in God alone. That is why <clears throat> our appetite for God can't be satisfied with all these earthly things. That's why Jesus knows that. And he responds to the devil's temptation by the word of God, by the power of the word of God. He says, man does not live on bread alone. Even the son of God re realizes that he needs his father. He needs the strength of his heavenly father to be able to overcome these things and to be able to live in the light as a true beloved son of God. 
excuse me. So how do we, for the season of Lent, you know, uh, how do we remain strong with Christ? How do we develop that prayer life and so that our spiritual senses are sharpened so we know who's speaking to us, right? Like Karnasaras says, that we know the subtleties of when God speaks to us or he's, he's there with us. How do we know it's from God? How do we know it's from us? How do we know it's from the evil one, right? We must pray. That's why Jesus went into the desert to really pray and to be one with the Father. There's no other way than this, right? I You can read a lot of books, but until you... And to all of us surrender in front of God and saying, you teach me, right? You show me the way. You show me the manner in which you speak to me. Otherwise, I will always be confused um, as t- because if I don't know you, God, how can I tell the difference <clears throat> when a temptation comes? Could it be me inviting this temptation in? Could it be just the evil one throwing a random temptation, seeing if I buy into it? Or is it God just trying to warn me and saying, hey, don't step into that road. I have something better uh, for you. So one of the things that I want to encourage all of us who are listening to this podcast is to really pray and to dive deeper into the rules of discernment of spirits. Because more often than not, when our body is weak, it's hard for us to pray. That's why scripture has often said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And it's not coincidence that the first temptation is really speaking about the stomach, right? If you are the son of God, he knows Jesus is hungry. His humanity is hungry. He hasn't eaten and drank food for 40 days. So he says, if you are the son of God, then command these stones to become bread, right? He's always appealing to the weakness of our human nature, trying to pull us away, thinking that these things are what we need in order for us to be happy or for us um, to find God. And so I want to encourage you to remain in the fight. Don't step out. Don't throw in the white towel yet. Because the devil <clears throat> is really dumb. Whenever he, t- he, 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 whenever he tempts us the most, it's because he, God has already planned a, a blessing for us. And he wants us to draw us away from that blessing by thinking that, you know, if I get this person to fall into a particular sin... Then they, they'll be too despairing to really open up their eyes to see the opportunity that God wants to give to them, right? How many times have we talked to our family members when we've gone through a rough patch, but we kept praying and we kept being hopeful <clears throat> that, um, you know, that they'll call us and saying, uh, you know, I want to tell you some good news. Like this person so-and-so was going through surgery, their surgery went well. Or this person was in an accident, but they were safe, right? So God uses all of our sufferings and all of our prayers in those difficult times to bring about a greater good. That is what the Lord is trying to teach us during these days of Lent. And so one of the, the rules I want to speak right now is called the fifth rule of discernment of spirits. It talks about don't make any big life changes or decisions when you're in a state of sadness, stress, or despair. It's one of the tricks of the devil <clears throat> is to discourage us uh, <clears throat> excuse me, from even trying to be holy. He makes holiness unbearable. And so if he can get us to make a decision that we, will, that we will regret the rest of our lives, then he's won. Because when, because what hurts us more that, uh, than anything is that fear of failure, which we attach to our identity and our self-worth. Right? If we do these things and we don't do it well, then why should I even bother trying? And so we start to numb you know, ourselves. 
Um, and so if we cave into this fear, uh, fear, despair, and hopelessness, you know, we could make up the dis- that decision that we will regret. But St. Ignatius says, no, hang in there. Remain in the fight. Keep praying. Keep being faithful to Jesus. He will lead us through, right? Jesus himself was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, right? He was hungry. He didn't have any food. And this is only the first temptation. There's two other temptations that we have to talk about. They're very appealing, right? If you're weak in that state of mind, anything offered to you, it's very hard not to say um, yes to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a note on discernment. Um, we should probably do a podcast eventually. On yeah, that. yeah, correct. I think we already mentioned the sermon of spirits at some point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in previous. I don't know when we did that. Uh, yeah, I don't I feel like it was last. Long time ago. Last Lent, I think we talked about it towards the end of our retreat last year. Mm-hmm. 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 Awesome. Yeah, so so we would definitely <clears throat> put the discernment of spirits up there. Um, and so, you know, how does this all tie in, right? Because temptation can seem very gloomy. Like, how could we ever win? Well, Jesus has already won. He's already won the battle. He's, he's already beaten the devil at his own game. So that should give us hope in saying that we're not always meant to be vile, wretched creatures. No, we're made in the image and likeness of God. There's a reason why God sent Jesus, right? He was driven by the Holy Spirit. He got strength from the breath, life, breath of God to go into the desert, to encounter his fears, and to be humble and submit himself to the Father. And one of the ways that we can sharpen our spiritual sense, not just by praying, not just by being faithful, is to fast, right? Because sometimes in our lives, we've been feeding ourselves so much to become self-indulgent that we balk at the idea of suffering because we hate it, right? It's a part of our human nature, fight or flight, right? So, if, But in this world right now, we're so focused on being feeling good and comfortable and happy all the time, that's not possible. So any part of suffering is is deemed bad. So if you're hungry, then feed yourself. And even if you even if you aren't hungry, any slight of you know stress eating, all the other things come to mind. How does the church put that into balance? How do we counteract that greed and that kind of gluttonous activity just to feed ourselves? By fasting. Because when we fast from foods, when we fast from alcohol, when we fast from anything that we like to do. It's showing to God that we trust God more than these things. That God will make us happier than these things. The first couple of days of fasting will be difficult. But as you continue to practice this, it gets easier. And as you're praying, the Lord will, will reveal to you. And you're like, wow, I guess I really didn't need to binge Netflix for three hours. That I'm doing other things than just binging these things. Or I'm experiencing a greater freedom than I have before. Because I thought I needed these things to be happy, right? Or, <clears throat> or even, um, you know, working. Um, so fasting says that helps us to discipline ourselves, that we don't need to satisfy ourselves right away, and that's what the Lord God is teaching us with Jesus' response: Man does not live on bread alone. Right? Anything else you want to add, Father Brian? Fasting gets us involved. There's a group of priests that are out there that, um, or a group of religious that walk away from every meal hungry. 
Um, and their spiritual principle is I won't be satisfied by this meal anyways. So, um, they walk away from a meal hungry so that they are able to take that desire for food and bring it to the Lord. Um, it also gets us in contact with our finite. So we are die. We will die and our humanity, uh, our humanity won't cease, but our life will cease. And, um, and and that comes in contact with our death, right? We're finite. Our body needs nourishment to to survive and to live, and so it comes into even contemplating our our death, our doom, if we don't uh, if we don't eat. And so that's always helpful too, because the saints always live that. Remember my death, and so fasting is a way of doing that. It's a f- way of growing closer to the Lord um, in the prayer of fasting. So. Beautiful. I just want to encourage you, brothers and sisters of Christ, to remain strong, right? So on Fridays, right, don't view it as a cost of discipleship, as a cost to being Catholic when you could have eaten steak on Friday, right? Think it's the of only it, day I want to eat steak. Exactly. But think of it this way, right? God has done so much for me, right? He's given me everything in this world. He's made me his image and likeness. He has even given his only son. He has held nothing back. And so if the church asks me to fast, this is like 0.0005%, the least that I could do, to really thank God and to love Him and, and to say to God, right, I'm going to love your son when others have rejected him, right? We all remember the scene from the Passion. I cry from that. I think what really struck me was when we went to the whole, when we went to the whole, I felt Brian and I, right, that as we were praying the station of the cross, people were still selling their things and they were screaming, right? Do you want shawarma? Do you want falafel? Do you want these wooden objects? I'm like, what the heck? Yes, I do. Yeah, it's like, don't people realize that this is the street that Jesus walked on, right? So <clears throat> I bring this up because, you know, it, it, we we don't think about these things until it hits us. You're like, oh man, this is the weakness of our humanity, right? But God has given us so much love. How we should... Give a, a, a little bit back to God, right? How do a we little s- bit? How about your entire life? Hey, I, we got to meet people where they're at, man, right? Entire Pe- life, it's not just a, nope. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. We're getting rid of that. Okay, uh, so thank you. No, good. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned it, right? Um, because if God's it's more than just an hour on Sunday. It's your entire life he wants. Yeah. And you're not. Not rightly so. Yeah, and you're not losing anything. Right? You're gaining everything. Yeah. The more you sacrifice... Why would you lose anything? Yeah. The more you empty yourself, the more God is going to fill you up. But the hardest part is that we always focus on this temptation, right? I want to be fed. I want to be now. But be patient. Keep praying. Keep fasting on Fridays. Keep being faithful. And God will reward you for your faithfulness. He will shower you with His love. So thank you so much. Uh, for listening to us, and I hopefully these Lenten series and talks will bear bear you much fruit as well as for you and your family. Hashtag say holy, my friends. We'll catch you later. <laughs>